We're going to start this episode off with one piece of advice. And that piece of advice is, if you're going to the hospital, make sure you have these two things, clean panties and a pedicure. Welcome back, kids. I am alive. I am well. I won't say I'm thriving quite yet, but I definitely survived. I had my surgery last week, and I have a story for you. It's a good one. It's a funny one. It's uh, one that's full of information that you're going to want to keep in your back pocket just in case you ever find yourself in a hospital and you need to know how to navigate the setting. So here we go. I've got my new nose intact. I am a little bit nasally because I'm still recovering. We are only days out of surgery here, but your girl don't quit. She don't make excuses for not doing her work. And I gave myself a good few days of nothing and just TV and rest. So I can't shut up now. Even though I can't really breathe through it yet, we're going to do our best to get this episode out uh, without our our decent mic, because we mailed that shitter in and we've got to wait for our replacement. So here we go. My mother drove me about an hour and a half to this surgery center where my surgery was going to take place. And... Bless Cheryl's heart. Let's all give a big shout out to Cheryl because the woman was a gem. She woke up early. She took off work. She drove my ass into the middle of nowhere. Of course, to the oldest looking building on the block. Like as we were turning and following the directions, I was like, is that my surgery center? No, it was a Marriott. That was a Marriott. I was like, oh, do we have valet service? No, we did not have valet service. No, it was the the old decrepit building. And let me tell you, a lot of things go through your mind before you're going to have surgery. Okay. And if you've never had surgery, allow me to enlighten you because I've had a few. You think about death. You do. If you're a living, breathing human being that's going to go under, like, anesthesia and there's going to be tubes breathing for you, you definitely think about death, whether it's for a a split second or it's for, I don't know, the entire week or month leading up to it. It's a thought process for sure. It was definitely a thought process for me. What if I die? What if I die? What if I die? That's kind of on my mind all the time. We could get into that in the future. I had a lot of death I experienced as a kid because we hung out with a lot of the older family members that were already in their like 70s and 80s when I was just a wee little child. So I don't know why I'm speaking with a a, a Irish accent, but... (laughs) 
it probably it probably doesn't really sound like one. I can't even smile right now because it moves my nose. So I look frozen. I look I've been saying to everybody that I do not understand the people on the show botched. People who willingly go for more than one nose job, honestly. Like this was not this was emergent this time. The first one was obviously like, you know, I chose to go there and and get that done. But people who go and they're like, oh, do you know, can you make the tip a little bit thinner? Can you shorten it? I want to look like this celebrity. Like those people, they are a different breed, guys, because I won't do this again. This is the most painful recovery ever. When you have shit packed up your nose and you already can't breathe through it like on a normal good day and then they pack some gauze up there because they fucked with it in surgery and then they tape more gauze to the bottom of your nose and then you start to hyperventilate because you're like oh my god I really can't breathe through my nose right now like it's not just like you know, me trying and failing. It's like there's shit in there blocking me from doing it on purpose because it's ble- It's just a, it's a mess. People who choose this, they got a lot of things going on that they have not addressed. And I mean that wholeheartedly. There's a lot of things. Been the, the, for me, none of these surgeries were necessarily choices. My nose was broken when I was a kid. I couldn't breathe properly. That was, yes, a choice cosmetically to to straighten it and fix it so I could breathe better, which obviously failed me as the years went on. This was emergent surgery. I could not breathe. It was affecting my quality of life. It was not elective by any means, but it was definitely like getting a whole nose job all over again, except this time was an actual nose job because the first time did not feel like this at all. So shout out to my doctor. He is amazing. 14 doctors deep. And then I found him. I adore him. Back to Cheryl taking me to the decrepit surgery center, um, which looked like an office building or like a senior citizen home. You know, like a a senior citizen apartment complex situation. It was old. It was old. So we're in the waiting room and I don't know who the designer of waiting rooms is. But if you are that person, could you please stand up, pick up the phone and call me? We need to talk about personal space. If you're going to have a tiny waiting room. A tiny waiting room for me is like, I don't know, the size of an average person, an average person, okay? I'm not talking Kardashian here. I'm talking an average person's living room. If that's like the the size of your waiting room, right? We don't need back-to-back seating. We don't. Line the walls, put like a row in the middle and call it a day. And if you're going to put a TV in there, which this one definitely had a TV, put it on a wall where the chairs are facing. Everybody's head was cocked sideways behind them, twisted, 
manipulated just to see the TV that of course had a channel on that like nobody knew what we were watching. It was like some daytime talk show and I've never seen this person in my life. I was like, where am I? I'm in North Jersey. North Jersey is like a whole different country. Okay. Sorry to all of you North Jerseyans listening. I am a central Jerseyan and y'all are basically New York in my world. So you're, you're, you're a different state, but y- y'all act like you're from a different world. So the, the waiting room designers need to figure this out because, I mean, I'm in an old building. The seating, <laughs> the, the upholstery on the seating was interesting. The color of the walls was not at all calming. Why do we not factor these in? And if we do normally but this is just an older facility and maybe it's not necessarily your priority. It should be your priority. That is the first room we have to sit in before you're going to gown us and throw us on a stretcher. So the least you could do is paint those walls blue, uh, put some HGTV on the channel because we know that is like the sponsored television network of nail salons and hospitals. You didn't know that? Now you do. That HGTV basically takes over every nail salon, every hair salon, every doctor's office. And if it's not HGTV, then we are watching something like uh, innocent, mm, politically correct daytime talk show. Something innocent enough that there's not going to be a brawl in that room. This was not calming. I don't like people near me. I don't like hearing people breathe. Uh, When I'm nervous, I definitely don't want to be near anybody, let alone listening to somebody breathe or smell like a bologna sandwich. And I had to endure all of that in this waiting room. Thank God I love my doctor so much because my love for him outweighed all of this. If it was anybody, if it was like an okay doctor and I walked into that waiting room, I would have checked out immediately. I'm not kidding. These things matter. They do. Presentation matters. Curb appeal matters. It all matters. And yes, it matters when you're going for a surgery. The uh, office where like the receptionists were was basically shared with the waiting room. There was a door separating it. It was just a very weird setup. The The entire surgery center is a very weird setup. And, and I've been to surgery centers that look like a hospital. This did not. This looked like, again, a senior citizen's home that somehow we had operating rooms in. Like shoddy, shoddy, okay? The receptionist's face was the emoji with the line eyes and the line mouth. And I was ready to go in. If you listened to the last episode, I was ready to go in on the receptionist or somebody in the office staff. And not like rudely, just 
wanted to address the fact that I felt like you didn't give me ample notice. And I didn't feel like I could. We were in a close proximity to patients and the doctors were walking in and out. And I just, it was just, I'd rather just not. So I didn't. I did not. I didn't say anything. I know I pussied out, but I had to factor a lot of other things into the equation. And one of those things was my nerves that morning. I was nervous. Nobody had the right information, though. And this is what I find fascinating. If we're going to run a facility of any kind, right? Like, I don't care if you work at Walmart. I don't care if you're office staff at, like, the property management office where I live. I don't care if you're a doctor's office. Have the information correct. Like know how your business runs. Know how, know the the procedures, right? Like know how things unfold. Nobody seemed to know these answers. So when I asked the receptionist, mind you remember, I got a whole packet of paperwork. I read everything. I read fine print. I read terms and conditions. I have a hobby of writing legal contracts. I love fine print. I read it front and back, sideways. I memorize it. Paragraph two, section, you know, B. I know everything. So when the paperwork said, you know, you're going to have to offer a urine sample, just asked the receptionist. So I asked the receptionist because I wasn't allowed to like eat or drink after midnight. So me having to pee in the morning was like a blessing in it of itself, right? So I asked the receptionist and she's like, oh, when you go back, they'll give you one. And I'm thinking, wrong. That's not what the paperwork said. But I let it go. And then I said to her, is my mother going to be able to come back with me? oh yeah, when they call you, your mother can go back and then, you know, and, and then you'll get all ready and then she'll come back here and wait in the waiting room. Okay, great. Because for me, I don't want to die. And if I'm going to die, I'd like to make sure I say goodbye to my mother before that happens. Like that's my train of thought, which is not odd in the least. I'm pretty sure that's probably about 85% of the people's train of thought in there. We want to make sure we see our loved one before we go under anesthesia. Well, that was wrong too. Because I was innocently sitting in the waiting room. And then the nurse came and called me. And again, the receptionist had said, Oh yeah, your mother will be able to go back. So I didn't even say goodbye to my mother. I just stood up and went with the nurse. Thinking, oh, they'll call my mother back before I go in. Which did not happen. Not cool. What if I died? Not cool. Not cool. Could we get this shit handled? Like, these are the things I pay attention to. Maybe it's because I am a business owner. Maybe those of you listening who don't run a business don't even, like, think much about this stuff. But I think about how mixed messages, you know, affect the customer or the patient and things like that. So for me, like, if I'm in charge, sure it up. You know what I mean? Go in, like send, not like a secret shopper, send a secret patient in and let them kind of give you feedback. I would do that. I often ask people that are close to me, can you go on my website? Can you go look at my social media? Can you go read it as if you don't know me 
And I will ask people, like I will ask my mother, and you might think that's biased, but the reality is, is my mother is not somebody who would be my client. So I want her to go there and I want her to read it as, as somebody who is not necessarily going to jump on board. Do you know what I mean? And I want the constructive criticism. That's a good business owner. That's somebody who wants to continue to improve and grow. I think a lot of people get complacent like this surgery center. So I went back with my nurse, Donna, who was very sweet. Always important when the nurse calls you back to to have a, a friendly nurse. And I don't think I've ever, I can't say this like confidently, but I don't recall ever having a really poor experience with a nurse. I'm sure people have. I luckily have not. I've had worse experiences with doctors than nurses. Um, Donna was very nice and took care of me, took my pee sample and got me loaded up in my stretcher in the waiting area, which I call the queue. My mom was like, the what? I was waiting in the queue, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, you got to wait before it's your turn. And she's like, we call it, Amy, we call it the holding area. I call it the queue. It's the same thing. I was waiting in the queue. It's a small room. Mind you, this was all small. Okay. Small room lined with stretchers separated by curtains and you can hear everybody's business. You can hear everybody's business. Your phone can't be with you. You have to leave it with your person in the waiting room. So it's not like you have a chance to record anything. But you hear everything. I heard the woman next to me who I believe her name was Phyllis. Bless her heart was getting some sort of laser surgery on her eye. Phyllis was old. She probably was in her 70s or 80s. And they didn't even give her the bathroom to change her clothes. They just shut the the curtains as if those, I, I, you know, you know, hospital staff. Let me just tell you something. Curtains aren't doors. They're not. Curtains aren't doors. I don't even like changing rooms that are curtains. It's not a door. I, give me a door and a lock. I need to lock the door. I'm that kind of person. And so Donna gave me the bathroom. And I hung out in the bathroom for a while changing my clothes. But I'm the kind of person that even when I go for a massage and like I know B and I know her timing, like I know how long she's going to leave me in the room to get undressed and climb on the table kind of thing, I speed undress and I speed dress. Do you do that? Cause, cause I do. Cause my concern is like, I don't want to, I don't want you to knock on the door. Cause then I feel rushed. I don't want to have to have that awkward, you know, that awkward interaction where somebody knocks and you're like, do I just say nothing? Cause I used to be that person. I'd let them knock and I just try to make noise in the room. <laughs> I would just try, or the bathroom, I'd just try to make noise, or I'd flush the toilet on purpose to, like, shut them up. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm sitting on the freaking toilet. So I speed undress, and then I speed dress. 
and I don't, I don't want the knock. I don't want to have to talk to you. I don't want to be walked in on. I've had all of those things happen to me in my life where I thought the door was locked and then somebody walked in and I was like, I was chilling there on the toilet. Hopefully it wasn't one of those days where I was wearing like, you know, full on, uh, romper situation or jump jumper where I have to take the entire thing off and I'm naked and I'm just sitting there naked going to the bathroom. Awkward. It's so awkward. But Donna, bless her heart, gave me the bathroom. And poor Phyllis had the curtains. And she had a male nurse. And I felt so, I felt so bad. She, so she was right next to me, to my left. And she kept calling him. She kept calling him the assistant to the doctor. She goes, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of assistance to the doctors and he wasn't correcting her. And I thought, oh, bless his heart because he, he didn't feel emasculated at all. He didn't feel insulted. He just, you know, that's the thing about nurses. I have to give y'all a lot of credit because my sister's a nurse and uh, you guys have the ability to really just humor people in respectable ways, I will say, because I read body language and I read faces for a living. And the nurses that had, you know, resting bitch face were not the ones that were tending to us in the queue. (laughs) They were the ones huddled around the recovery room area, probably because when we're doped up on fentanyl, when we come out of the room, we can't see your face. So it doesn't really bother us. And then and then you switch. Like that's what happens. When I came out of the room uh into recovery, I my nurses switched. So whoever was shouting my name, because that's what they do, and I'll get to that in a second, because that's rough. That's that's a rough way to wake up. Okay. They switch off. So by the time you become coherent, you've got a smiley nurse in your face. But resting bitch face was definitely the one shouting at you when you rolled out of the room. For sure. Hands down. You can't argue. I know I was doped up and and still coming out of anesthesia. I, I know a voice. It takes one to know one. And with my new and improved nose, hopefully I will not have resting bitch face. But I... I you know, I, I've been known. I, mm. Anyway, yeah, so the, so the queue is a good time uh, or the, the holding, the holding area, which is, again, not attractive. Like I'm staring at a wall, not no TV, no nothing. So you're just eavesdropping on everybody. So I was just listening to all of Phyllis's diagnoses, di- diagnoses. Is it diagnoses? I apologize if you hear Dewey drinking right now. Can't, can't, not going to stop him. Not that kind of mom, but can't control the sound quality yet until we got our mic back. So that's just a little side note for you. Phyllis had a lot of medical issues that I didn't really want to hear about before going into my surgery and then I was hearing everybody new coming in and like their whole medical history because they were being checked in really good time 
really, really good time. Here's the thing about me in certain settings that most people do not understand. I have a tendency to attract people that need my help. And even when I'm in a situation like a surgery center where I'm the one who's the patient and I'm the one needing help, the roles get reversed. And so I can't tell you how many people uh, started spewing, you know, because the question is like, what do you do for a living as they're filling out the paperwork? And as you say that, it becomes a conversation and that conversation becomes a very vulnerable conversation and if you're like me where you have that ability to to make them feel really comfortable even when you're the one who's nervous they're suddenly crying while they're checking you in and that that was that that was <laughs> that was my pre-surgery experience as I was getting uh robed up let me tell you, when they hand you your gown and they're like, you know, leave the back open, you can leave your underwear on. Like Phyllis got to leave her bra on because she was getting laser surgery on an eye. I didn't. I could only leave my underwear on and everything else had to come off. And then you got to put the stupid hat on your head for absolutely no reason. Like, my hair's not getting in anybody's food. I'm sure you want it out of my... Like, couldn't you just tie it in a nice, you know, sock bun for me? Call it a day? No, you got to put it in that freaking thing. And then you got to wear these booties on your feet. And then once you're in the bed, then they hand you the compression stockings. Um, I guess... I, I don't think everybody gets these. It depends what kind of surgery you're getting and how long it's going to be. But I have always been handed the compression stockings and then you got to take the booties off your feet and slide these fuckers on. And those are skin tight for absolutely no reason. And they're ugly as shit. These are things that I've grown up watching my mother wear around the house at times because, you know, she's in the operating room all the time because that's her profession. So not, you know, if I told you how many Halloween costumes were us wearing scrubs and, and those hairnet things, you wouldn't be shocked. The Donna handed me my compression stockings and I popped my little booties off and immediately wanted to die. I did not get a pedicure. That's like rule number one. When you go to the hospital, make sure you have clean panties and a pedicure. My nails were painted. I had clean polka dot panties on. They were nice, lacy, silk, little cute things. But no, no pedicure. So my toenails looked all sorts of wonky. And I was so embarrassed because she was trying to help me put these compression stockings on. And all I wanted to do was like hide my toes and die. It, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. All I kept thinking about was like, could we get like a pedicure station going over here while I'm waiting in the queue? Because I don't want to go in there and then a booty pops off. I kick when I sleep. When they rolled me into recovery, the booties were off. I was kicking. 
So I don't know if they strap me down or, or what they do in surgery because I definitely flail <laughs> like, a, like a dead fish when I am uh, sound asleep. So yeah, I couldn't stop. Not a good look. Get a pedicure before you go to a hospital. I was so embarrassed. My toes were not painted. It was not, it was not, it was not looking good for my, for the bottom half of me. Other, you know, well, from my knee down. <laughs> I even made sure I shaved my legs. Like, there's nothing more uncomfortable than sitting in a stretcher, number one. Because you just feel so vulnerable and helpless. And then the minute they hook you up to an IV, you feel trapped because you can't move. That's the worst for me. The minute you hook me to that IV, I'm like, now I'm stuck. I can't go nowhere. I can't. Well, I could. I could grab the thing off the hook and run if I wanted to. But I technically can't. It's jammed in my arm. It's not. That's jail. That's that's like prison for me. That's not fun. I hate it. And when your nurse really likes you like mine did, she's like sitting there chit-chatting with you going, which vein would you like me to stick the needle in? And I'm thinking, could we not? Could we get some, you know, clear nail polish over here and, and a little like buffer for my toes? I don't want to be hooked up to the IV right now. I really don't. Unless it's got some some juicy goodness in it that's going to make me forget this is happening and that my toes are looking all disheveled. Next time I got to hit the spa before I hit the hospital. It's just a must. So when my anesthesiologist came over to introduce himself, his name was, I want to call him Pierre. I couldn't really say his name and he said it. He, I, he had to have been Russian or like uh, like Polish or something. He was something. He had a very thick accent, very big dude, very thick accent. <laughs> very nice. So nice that I've never been asked this question. He was like, have you ever had, sur- I've been asked this. You, you ever have surgery before? Yes. What kind? I tell him. Then he says, any problems with the anesthesia? I've never been asked that question. It was an appreciated question. I said, no problems, but when you, whenever you guys shove that tube down my throat and then pull it out, I go, it feels like knives. Whenever I wake up from a surgery, I feel like I have knives in my throat. And he goes, okay, I'm going to be very gentle. That was the best anesthesia I've ever had. Shout out to Pierre or Petrie or would, I forget your name, but you were the best at what you do because I didn't have a sore throat at all, at all. That's a miracle in and of itself. If you've ever had a tube shoved down your throat, you know you wake up feeling like somebody just took a freaking machete and sliced up your vocal cords. It is rough after you wake up. Not for me. Thank God for my Russian anesthesiologist. We're just going to say he's Russian. Because he was he was big and he had a very thick accent. Almost like sound, that sounded Russian. I didn't ask though. I can be charming and witty when I want to be. But when I'm nervous I tend to just answer questions straightforward. And kind of shut down. And that's... <laughs> That's, that's pretty much where I was at by the time he came over. 
when they went to wheel me in, so here's what happens. I hate this. They wheel you from the queue down the hall into your operating room. You're awake. They should dope you up in the queue. They should. They should. I don't know why they don't, but they should. They don't. So you wheel, you're wheeled into that operating room and you see the operating room in daylight. That I told them as they were wheeling me in, I said, I hate this part. You should have put me out in there. And my nurse, who was a different nurse, I forget her name. She was very smiley. The operating room nurses have to smile. They are the happiest people in the world. They have to smile because they make you feel so comfortable. So like Donna was my, my holding area nurse. And then I got a new nurse that was wheeling me in that was going to handle my surgery. I don't remember her name, but she was super happy and com- like comforting happy though. Like her smile was like right in my face. And I was like, oh, you like me and you're going to take care of me. Okay, great. So I said to them, I don't know why you don't just put me out, out there. And Petrie, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you don't like this? And I go, listen, at least you wheel me in. I had surgery once that they hooked me up to an IV in like the holding area and they made me carry my IV bag and walk in to the operating room. Yes, that happened. Walk, walk yourself in with your little polka dot panties sticking out the back of your gown. Walk in and then climb on the bed climb on the stretcher and then we'll put you out it it's the room of my nightmares I told them this I said first of all he goes I I think I would rather walk in I go I think you're out of your mind Petrie no I want to wheel me in but I want to be wheeled in knocked out and the nurse completely she goes I completely understand I never thought about that I go well maybe I'll should because you wheel me in here and then what happens you line up the stretcher with the operating room table. And then you say, you're gonna have to climb over now. And you have to climb over as they hold your IV bag. You have to lay on that bed. And then you lay down flat, like you're going for a massage. And then Petrie comes over with his little little tube of, of fun juice. And he goes, you're gonna take a vacation now. And like sticks it in there. And then within literally not even two seconds, you are out like a light. Like it happens that quick. But you've already got a good idea of where you are. You see the giant bright lights above you, like you're in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Everything's cold and metal and ugh. And it's not, it's, ugh. they shouldn't let you see that. They really shouldn't. And my doctor was in there and Uh, We've got a banter, me and him. And as as they were lining up my stretcher with the operating room table, they were like, "You gotta, you gotta wait for us to level them out so they're even, and then we can help you move over." And I go, "I'm not really compliant." I go, "You can ask the doc. I'm not very compliant." And the minute I said that, Petrie came over with his little juice cocktail, and he goes, "We're gonna help you with that." And he just like shoved it into my IV. And I was like, alrighty then. Y'all Russians are no joke. <laughs> no joke. So yeah, so so the 
the the um oh my god I just <laughs> so when you're in reco- when you're in recovery okay they call it recovery room recovery it's not a room you're again in like a giant room that's separated by curtains with a bunch of other people they wheel you in there and you hear your name at a distance Amy 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 Wake up, you all right, Amy? You okay? And you're like, and that, that is not comforting. So that's got to be nursed with resting bitch face who is saying that for sure. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I'm just guessing. It's definitely got to be nursed with resting bitch face that's shouting, Amy, you okay? Amy, Amy, Amy. I am sleeping. Let me be, okay? Let me be. I don't know how many juicy cocktails Petrie just gave me, but... If I'm lounging on a beach right now and Petrie is my cabana boy and he's bringing me another, why don't you shut up? I don't need you to be screaming my name when I'm having a nice little slumber in the sun. And by sun, I mean hot operating room lights above my head that I unfortunately had to look at. I mean, do we not think about these things? So... Somebody was shouting my name, which jolted me out of my nice slumber, and now I'm disheveled and I forgot where I was. This always happens. I wake up from anesthesia and I forget where I am. I didn't even remember that I had surgery. I didn't. That's a scary feeling. I didn't remember I had surgery. I didn't remember that that was the day of surgery. I didn't even remember I needed surgery. I didn't remember that any of that. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. And then you start to kind of come to, you can't really open your eyes. And I hear the nurses talking right next to me and they're trying to put this like weird ice pack looking thing on my eyes, right? It's like this reusable ice pack situation, like eye mask. And the nurse who I'm assuming was resting bitch face nurse um, unpeeled it from its sticky back and put it on my face. And while I was still kind of like coming to wake up and the other nurse came over and like started yelling at her because they're reusable and you're not supposed to throw away the backings because you're supposed to let the patient take it home with them so they could continue to ice their face. So that one got in trouble. Clearly resting bitch face nurses should not be in recovery room. They shouldn't. Just put them in the receptionist area in the back filing cabinet region, which this surgery center did not. They put them front and center. It's unfortunate. So when I finally came to, I had a smiling nurse in front of me who was like, whenever you're ready, we'll move you to a recliner. Because that's what they do. They got to get you out of the bed as quickly as they can. So they make room in that area for the next bed that's coming out of a room. Efficient. I know. She um, was helping me up. And I said to her, um, when I stand up, everybody's going to see my polka dot panties. And she's like, nobody's looking at your polka dot panty. I go, bitch, everybody is going to look at my polka dot panties because I have a nice ass. Don't argue with me when I tell you people are looking at my ass, okay? Just don't. 
I have a very nice ass. And when I stand up, you're going to look at it. (laughs) I don't, I I know that she was interpreting it differently, but that is exactly what I meant. It wasn't a statement of embarrassment, Miss Nurse. It was a statement of confidence. My polka dot panties make my ass look really good. And if I stand up, Phyllis, who's in bed too, she's going to check me out too. Because it's a good looking butt. They they get you in a recliner with a mini ass TV. Then they bring your family back. So they got my mother. And then they rush you. They go, you got to sit here for about 30 minutes and then you can go. This is same day surgery. So if you've never had one, welcome. This is what happens. You get 30 minutes in your recliner with the TV on HGTV. Totally is on HGTV, okay? Because I could barely see it, but they were hammering shit. They offer you some juice and or water. Phyllis got coffee and I got pissed because I asked for a coffee because I didn't get to eat or drink all morning. And they were like, oh, you can't have hot beverages. But when you get home... You can totally have an iced coffee. I don't want an iced coffee, Sally. I would like a hot coffee. Like, well, Phyllis only had her eye lasered, Amy. You, unfortunately, have packing in your nose. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, they shove gauze up your nose. When they mess with your nose and your sinus cavities and your nasal passages and all of that stuff, because it's all intertwined in there, They make you bleed a lot and then they got to stuff something up there to, you know, clot it. So they shove gauze up your, up, up your nostrils. And I'm not saying just like hanging out the tip. I'm saying they shove it up there. Like it's up my nose. You can't see it. And it fills the entire, uh, uh, nasal passage. Okay. So I I was I had packing in my nose and then because they had to put implants in my nose to hold open my nasal valves, they had my nose taped across my face. So I looked like Hannibal. I looked like Hannibal Lecter. Uh, they tape across your nose to kind of set the implants and eventually the implants then like form to your face like inside, right? But they've got to set them so they don't like move because they were just put in. So they tape it a specific way and then they tape like what they call drip pads, which are just basically gauze hanging off the tip of your nose. They tape that to catch anything that is going to come through the packing in your nose. It's very disgusting. I am aware that that probably sounds really gross. And it was very gross because I was a bloody mess. So I, you know, you wake up and you're kind of like you want to take a deep breath, but you can't through your nose because it's packed. And then you can't really, your whole face is sore. My face is still sore. I'm shocked that I'm talking this much right now. Like I can't smile and I can't like scrunch my face. I'm not allowed to sneeze, (laughs) which sounds weird. If I have to sneeze, I have to bite my finger because I can't have it go through my nose. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience you don't want to experience, for sure. So it was a bloody mess, and then we've got to drive an hour and a half home. I was staying at my parents' house to recover for the days following my surgery. So my mom um, was driving me back there, 
and riding in the car when you can't breathe and you're kind of loopy and you are bloody and the blood just keeps coming and you're like, can I, you know, as the gauze gets soaked, you'd like to be able to put new on there and you're not allowed to because you're not allowed to untape your nose. You got to go back the next day and they remove the packing. So here's what happened to me. I was a bloody mess. I'm not going to give you details, but it didn't, it did not stop. So we had to keep taping more drip pads on top of the ones that were already, it was nasty. Okay. Couldn't sleep, did not sleep and was taking the pain meds as prescribed by the doctor, um, uh, according to the instructions. And I was in so much pain, like as much as I didn't want to take them had to okay every four hours take two (laughs) with food I'm not eating though from like 10 p.m until 6 a.m so the like the three doses or whatever that I took during those wee hours of the morning when I was not sleeping and I was laying there in pain hoping if I took a pain pill that I might be knocked out yeah not a good idea because I had about six pills in me by the time I woke up to eat breakfast and I nearly collapsed straight up this happened nearly collapsed because all the pills hit me at once and I wasn't abusing anything I was taking them as as suggested I the only part I was missing was that it was the middle of the night and I wasn't eating the food but the pill wasn't even touching the pain So I got very sick and then the sickness didn't leave and I had to drive an hour and a half with my mother again to my post-op appointment for them to remove the packing. I walked into that waiting room, guys, and there was only two other people in the waiting room and it was this British woman and you know I love a Brit. So she lit up my life, walked in and it was like her and I guess it was like her brother or I don't think it was her husband. It sounded like it was her brother. I could have been wrong. Whatever. They were in the waiting room. I looked like death, okay? Death walking into that waiting room. She had her nose taped up just like mine. And it was like I found my people. (laughs) She looked right at me and with her endearing British accent went, seemed like a good idea at the time, didn't it? just like nodded my head like I didn't even have the ability to quip something back to her I just nodded my head and I sat down and she looked at me again and she went you look how I feel and I was just like uh this is rough this is rough so they removed the packing that day and that was a very painful experience I cried it was so painful And now we are here. I am able to talk. I can't necessarily breathe the way I would like to yet because we're still recovering and there's a lot of swelling and that's going to take weeks. So we don't actually know the final result and if we are a-okay for at least two to six weeks. He said, because I'm healthy, we're aiming for like two-ish to two to three. We'll see. Yeah, so pedicures and panties, remember that. If you ever need to enter a hospital, you better make sure you go get your feet done first. And I don't care if you're a man, 
go get your feet done first and make sure you've got clean something on you. Don't go without undies because you need them under your gown. You don't want to be freeballing it. Okay? Don't be freeballing it because you don't know what's going on when you're all doped up. I, I, I just know that I had pretty panties on and I can walk away happy and confident that if you saw my pretty panties, you were checking out my ass and all was well. Yeah. All right. So that's it. That is the story of my life right now. Panties, pedicures, petri, and a whole lot of, I don't know, pain? (laughs) I thought I'd come up with a better one than that, but yeah, a whole lot of pain. A whole lot of pain that you don't want to endure. I don't encourage anyone to go get anything done on their nose unless it is emergent. And that's what I'm going to leave you with today. We will talk again soon.